how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer is the same. Practice, practice, practice. Welcome to All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence. This is episode five of our series on losing control. I'm Ryan Martin, anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, and I'm here as almost always with Chuck Ryback, friend, poet, English professor, and dean of the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences at UW-Green Bay. How's it going, Chuck? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. So I missed you last week for our episode on driving. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yes, no, it's not your fault. We I was too busy screaming at people in traffic, yes. but I could not show up here. We couldn't make it work. It was fun, though. Taylor Goldbrand, a uh, fabulous psychology student, stepped in. And uh, not the same, but uh, still. Oh, it's all good, man. Yeah. It's so, okay. But, yeah. So um, Road rage is not my favorite topic it anyway. Isn't? No. It, what is your favorite topic, would you say? Wow. I the arts, the culture, video games. Nice. Okay. Deep thoughts. Yes. So uh, let's talk about. So this. Why actually, Lord of the Rings is so boring. Go oh, ahead. Wow. I meant the movies, not the okay. books. Even though those okay. could be boring too. Uh, but literally. Whoa. Our, uh, I'm sorry. Our producer's mind. So when I see Elvish, I want to go into a rage room. All right. <laughs> that is perfect. Way to bring it back. Uh, all right. To today's episode. So actually, the other way we can bring it to today's episode is that everything we're talking about today is rooted in this idea of catharsis. Yes. Which is. You I know, love that word. Yeah. Largely rooted in the Aristotelian. Arts yeah, so, it is Aristotelian term right there from Aristotle's Poetics. There you go. I'm feeling. It. Yeah, very nice. So let's uh, let's take a moment to talk about the concept itself yeah. as it applies to anger. So at least when we talk about it in anger, we're, we're sort of embracing this model of human beings as like a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. And the idea is if you don't let out steam every now and then, you yep. will eventually explode. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a long-held perspective in psychology. Yeah this idea, so much so that I'm guessing that even as someone who hasn't necessarily formally studied anger and violence, you Mm -hmm. are familiar with the concept. Yeah, you know, it's close to the Aristotelian concept, and I sort of learned that psychological approach to it. I think the way that Aristotle defines it is really close in that it's a way of experiencing something without having to suffer the consequences of it, sort of like safely like going to a tragedy and seeing death and unfortunate circumstance and being able to experience that, but not actually have to suffer the consequences of it. And that that is a release right. uh, that it makes you feel that it's a necessary psychological release to know that that kind of tragedy is out there and be able to experience it safely. I don't know, as a way of preparing, I'm not sure. Right. In that is that right? Yes, okay. I think it is. And I think one of the things that's interesting, though, is that there's different ways of thinking about catharsis within the realm of psychology, in some of which is probably valuable, in some of which is not. And mm-hmm. today, we're actually lar- mostly going to focus on the stuff that's not, right? Because I had a feeling. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately, the um, because the, the notion of catharsis is rooted in a lot of counseling psychology work, right? I mean, Freud certainly talked about the value of catharsis. Mm-hmm. Um, there are counseling psychologists who talk about the value of, of clients having a good cry. Um, I am not an expert on the research on any of those things, sure. but what I am familiar with is what it does to people when they just vent mm-hmm. uncontrollably, um, when they break things, when they smash things. Catharsis does feel like one of those terms that's approaching that pop psychology level. Like if somebody were to say acceptance to me, I'm not even sure what that would mean. Right. 
Right. I mean, is that the same thing as deal with it? I, I have no. <laughs> what does that mean? Right. Yep. Um, and I think there's a, there's quite a few of those that have a legitimate psychological definition, but then they also have some sort of pop psychology definitions, right? And junk psychology. Yes. Let's call it junk. Sounds good. All right. In the context here, though, I want to talk specifically about what we we mentioned earlier, rage rooms. Oh, man. Right? Okay, go ahead. Are you familiar with I am. I watched the video. I yeah. saw it. Let's actually take a moment here to watch that same video that I sent you earlier and let our audience listen in. One business in Dallas is banking on a unique way to help you deal with your anger. Don Champion has the details. Have you ever been so angry you just wanted to smash something? At this Dallas warehouse, people can. It's called the Anger Room. Morgan Churchill came here with her little sister, looking to relieve a little stress from school. Doing bad things is fun, you know. You don't get to break stuff every day. For $45, they suit up in safety gear, pick their weapon, then get 15 minutes to smash anything they want. From a TV to a mannequin, a desk, and lots of dishes. It's just a way to release the anger. Donna Alexander created the anger room in 2008 in her garage. I started getting strangers at my, at my door like a month later, saying, is this the place to break stuff? With more and more people looking for a release, she kept moving into larger spaces, from people upset over work to the newly divorced and even frustrated reporters. You can hear things about workplace with people who hate their bosses or hate their co-workers. Cameraman. <laughs> this isn't the only place cashing in on anger. So cool. Similar businesses have popped up in Canada and Houston. Alexander is looking to expand to Las Vegas next year and eventually New York. It's amazing. It's just a really amazing feeling. Making this business a smashing success. Don Champion, CBS News, Dallas. So, Chuck, prior to, to watching that video earlier today, were you uh, were you familiar with Rage Rooms as a concept? I was. I think that we've talked about it a yes. few times. Um, and I can, it, since I'm reading your mind, I, under, I can feel that you're asking me how I feel yes. about this. Um, and I'm so grumpy about it that I can't wait to say... I'm just going to confess that it seems infantile yes. to me. It does not seem productive, cathartic, right? Therapeutic. That was the word I was looking for. Um, it seems infantile, especially to pay to do this. Um, I don't know. There's. It feels counterproductive to associate anger only with breaking things. Or maybe that's, that's not the point, but I, I definitely wouldn't pay someone to go do that. I, I don't even want to dig into the precedent of that, but, um, you know, redirect that to some other source. I, I, I can be angry and want to do something good mm -hmm. to overcome that sort of, I don't like a counterbalance to it. And hopefully that it would tip the scales in the other way. When I see the video and I see what's happening there, I'm entirely unimpressed and slightly horrified. How's yeah. that? No, that all sounds good. And I, so confession, I think once we talked about actually going to a rage room and ultimately part of the reason I didn't ever push that is mm -hmm. because I decided I didn't want to give any money to that. Yeah. Um, and it all feels where you use the word infantile and I'm right on board. Um, I would actually even use a, a slightly different word and say it also feels gross. Mm -hmm. It feels gross <laughs> to me to spend money to, and, and, and frankly, in some ways, very American. 
mm-hmm. to spend money to just destroy stuff. Yes. And I'm in I had this weird situation like a couple years ago where I was visiting so I recently learned about a place like this opening up in our area here and and was you know people were telling me about it and around the same time I went and I was touring and working with someone at a domestic violence shelter mm-hmm. in town. And she told me that one of the things they really need were donations for dishes for people ah, to, sure. to yep. get their start. And after. here we are smashing dishes. Yep. And yep. then I'm, and so I watched this video and I'm hearing that at the same time. And it just felt so gross to me that we've got people in one hand breaking things, spending $45 mm-hmm. to break things. Yeah. And another person saying, this is what I really need to help give some women who have been victims of domestic violence. Sure. A new start. And now that you're pointing out the dishes part of it and watching the video, it feels entirely domestic. Right. We're going to break dishes and TVs and appliances. And I don't know, it gives the context that, you know, when you're angry, you need to start breaking things in your home. Right. Or going out and breaking things that are a facsimile to those things that are in your home, which seems ridiculous. I, I don't know. You could go out and maybe you could just rephrase it as, I'm angry. I want to build something. Right. Right. And, and there are probably people who are like that, mm-hmm. who get angry, who leave, and then, you know, I'm going to go build an engine. <laughs> I'm right. going to go build this thing, which seems more productive to me. And on top of the fact that it's not productive, we also have a lot of good evidence to say that it's pretty bad for us. Mm-hmm. And to discuss that, we are going to turn once again to Dr. Brad Bushman, professor of communication and psychology at The Ohio State University. We heard from him last time when we were talking about driving anger. He's going to take us through a lot of the research out there on what we call the catharsis myth. I became interested in the topic of aggression and violence because I want the world to be a more uh, peaceful place. Um, my mom says she's not surprised I went into this area because when I was just three years old, I brought her a dinosaur book and two dinosaurs were fighting and I was crying and I said, Mom, why are they hurting each other? So I think I've always been concerned about violence and aggression even since I was a little boy and I'm even more concerned about it uh, now and how, how to make the world a um, more peaceful uh, place. That is a really wonderful story. I'm thankful you shared that. Um, <laughs> sure. I know one of the things that you've studied a lot is this notion of catharsis and what we oftentimes refer to as the catharsis myth. I'm wondering if you could maybe provide some history on that, and uh, specifically catharsis as it applies to anger, and maybe if you know where that idea kind of came from. Sure. Um, I'm not a historian, but the concept of catharsis can be traced back to Aristotle, who thought that it was healthy to um, witness aggression and violence um, or act it yourself uh, in a safe way to uh, reduce uh, subsequent aggression and violence. Um, So according to catharsis theory, um, uh, acting aggressively or even watching somebody else act aggressively can reduce anger and aggression into harmless channels. And the idea dates back to Aristotle. It was revised by Sigmund Freud, who had this hydraulic model of anger, and he argued that anger builds up inside a person like pressure inside of a pressure cooker 
and unless you vent the anger, the person will um, – psychological symptoms will uh, manifest and the person will eventually explode in an aggressive rage. That's really interesting because I see that pressure cooker metaphor in a variety of places. I guess I didn't realize that that in some ways went back to Freud. Yeah, it it does. And I think the pressure cooker metaphor is useful in other ways because um, if you if you think about how anger – if anger builds up inside a person like steam inside a pressure cooker – then there are three ways you can deal with this buildup of steam. One way is to try to stuff it inside. Um, a second way is to vent it externally. But a third way that people hardly ever talk about at all is just to turn down the flame and lower the heat. Um, so those are different ways to deal with uh, anger. Very nice. And you, you, um, now you mentioned in the, in the intro that you've been studying this for 30 some years now. Can you kind of walk me through what you would consider the big takeaways from your research? Uh, and plus, you know, the more general body of research on catharsis. Well, um, catharsis theory, uh, sounds elegant. People like it, but really there's, not much scientific evidence to support it. So I think we need to debunk this myth that it's somehow healthy to vent your anger or blow off steam. You know, many people have heard the old joke, how, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Uh, the answer is practice, practice, practice. Well, how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer is the same, practice, practice, practice. And when people vent their anger, that's exactly what they're doing. They're just practicing how to behave more aggressively, such as by hitting, kicking, screaming, shouting. Um, uh, it's, it's like using uh, gasoline to put out a fire. It just feeds the flame. It does that by keeping arousal levels high. Angry people are highly aroused, so you want the arousal level to come down, but venting elevates it instead of bringing it down. It also uh, keeps aggressive thoughts and angry feelings alive internally. You want to get rid of those if you want to reduce anger, but venting just feeds them. So uh, it's like the worst possible way to reduce anger and aggression is to vent it. So describe for me, if you can, some of the actual studies that might find this. What, what does that research look like as far as, as how, we, how we know this, I guess? Well, there are so many uh, studies, <laughs> but I think the most damning one is one my colleagues and I conducted because it looks at um, what's called the placebo effect. So, you know, if venting anger would work under any circumstance, it should work when people believe that it works. And psychologists call this the placebo effect. So um, it's easy to manipulate belief in anger. It's pretty malleable. People, so you can, so in our study, we randomly assigned people to read an article, a very persuasive article saying that venting works, was conclusive, scientific evidence proved 
that it was healthy and and uh or they read a different article that debunked catharsis theory and said venting doesn't work it's conclusive scientific evidence have shown that uh it doesn't work many studies have have come to this conclusion or we had a control condition so it if venting is going to work under any circumstance, it should work when you believe that it works. And so, uh, in other words, uh, if you've read an article saying that scientists are absolutely certain that it does work. And so then uh, in this study, we um, our participants were college students and uh, we had them write an essay about a controversial topic. Uh, in this case, I think it was abortion. And uh, then they swapped essays with a, a partner. Actually, this partner was an accomplice who was pretending to be another participant in the study. And this partner uh, wrote an essay exactly the opposite of what participants did. So if the participant was pro-choice, the partner wrote a pro-life essay. If the participant was pro-life, the partner wrote a pro-choice essay. Then they swapped essays for grading. And the way we made participants angry in the study is um, we tra their partner trashed their essay, just gave it extremely the lowest ratings possible and a written comment like this is one of the worst essays I've ever read. We also had a condition where they gave their partner positive uh, feedback, but that's not really relevant to catharsis because catharsis um, follows from making people angry. So we had participants mm -hmm. who were angry and then we gave them a chance to vent their anger either by uh, punching a punching bag or as a control condition, we thought, what if they do absolutely nothing and just sit there and maybe they're stewing in their anger? We don't know, but it's a really powerful control condition if you're if you have people doing absolutely nothing versus venting their anger. So they vented their anger by punching on a punching bag um, and then uh, the uh, we measured their anger uh, with the mood questionnaire, and um, we also measured their aggressive behavior. And the way we did that is they competed with this partner who was an accomplice uh, on a competitive task, consisted of 25 trials. Each trial, uh, they compete to see who can press a button faster and the winner gets to blast the loser with loud noise through headphones. And um, uh, the noise is very unpleasant, and it ranges from zero, no, no noise. They don't, don't have to behave aggressively. Uh, level 1 is 60 decibels, 2 is 65, and so forth, up to level 10, which is 105 decibels. And they can also control how long the other person suffers by how long they hold down the duration button. So that's how uh, we measure aggression. If you want, maybe I can find the noise file. Do you want to hear it? Or <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. If you've got okay, it. hold on. The, the noise is a mixture of noises that people really hate. 
like fingernails scratching on chalkboards, dentist drills, blow horns, sirens, um, things like that. And okay. I don't know how loud it will be on your phone, but um, I'm just going to play it and you can get an idea. Could you hear yeah, it? That that was awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, so they can choose uh, level five. Level ten is 105 decibels, which okay. is about like a smoke alarm going off. So it's very unpleasant. And they can also choose how long the person suffers. And so, if catharsis theory is true, then the people who should behave the least aggressively and have the lowest levels of anger in our study are those who are led to believe that it's true, this placebo effect, and they um, they get a chance to vent their anger by hitting a punching bag. Um, they should be the least angry and the least aggressive, but actually they were the most angry and the most aggressive uh, in our study. So not only did we not see a placebo effect, we saw an anti-placebo effect. So catharsis theory doesn't work, even if you believe that it works. And we also had a condition where participants could aggress against a complete stranger rather than the accomplice who criticized their essay. And even uh, people who vent their anger um, are aggressive against totally innocent uh, bystanders. So it's really it's really a problem that. Um, Venting anger is not so. You know, we talked earlier about stuffing stuffing your anger inside. That's not healthy because mm-hmm. that can lead to cardiovascular disease and other health issues. But at least you don't ha- harm anybody. But venting anger by expressing it also will lead to cardiovascular disease, just like stuffing it inside will. But in addition. Uh, uh, you're more likely to behave aggressively against other people, even against uh, innocent bystanders. So uh, it's not a, a healthy uh, way to manage anger for the reasons I said earlier. It just keeps the arousal. When you're hitting a punching bag, you're just your arousal isn't going down. It's either maintaining or going up. You know, or you punch a pillow, or yell, or scream, or shout. It's not. Uh, it's it's not helpful. You know, so about seven years ago, I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't remember this, but you actually did an interview for my blog, All the Rage, uh-huh. um, and just a, a written interview where you talked about catharsis, and actually you shared something in there with me that I was totally unaware of, um, and that's that. Uh, a variation of venting is intense physical exercise, such as right. Running. Yes. Can that you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work either. Uh, um, and the reason it doesn't work is because it also keeps arousal levels high. So if you want to get ra- if, so if you want to get rid of anger, you have to reduce arousal levels rather than increase them. Okay. That's really interesting, and I, I say that I'm an avid runner, but I also um, 
I have noticed that if I'm if I go on a run when I am a little bit frustrated or angry, that it it, it the other thing it does for me is it gives me time to ruminate, you know, where I'm just sort of right. revisiting yes. those thoughts. Um, but so, and I have read some things about angry running being related to cardiovascular problems as well. I think there was a New York Times article about that a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, uh, oh. running. You know, I I highly recommend physical exercise. It's uh, good for uh, your body, but it's not a good way to reduce anger and aggression. So I'm wondering why you think people cling to this idea that catharsis works. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with, or we were talking off air about this, that you're familiar with rage rooms, which are sprouting out across the country and, well, across the the world right now, I think. can you maybe talk a little bit about why they're popular, why people can't let go of this idea that it works? Yeah, well, the, re- the reason venting is so hard to dispel this – the reason it's so hard to dispel this myth that venting is an effective way to reduce anger and aggression is because it feels good. You know, when people – and we actually have data on that in one of our studies that – you know, after people, angry people punch a punching bag, for example, in one of our study, we found about 75 to 80% of them, when we ask them, how do you feel? They say, I feel great. I feel better. So people like to, you know, when people are angry, they like to vent their anger. That it feels good. I remember when our son was uh, younger and his uh, older sister made him angry, um, you know, I I told I told him, okay, uh, t- take let's count to ten. I don't want to count to ten. You know, <laughs> uh, let, uh, okay, let's uh, take some deep breaths. I don't want to take any deep breaths. I want to hit her, right? So, um, you know, people, uh, it feel, you know, it feels good to express your anger. People like it. You know, it's fun. You know, these these rage rooms. Um, you know, people are angry. They get a do stuff they can't do in the normal world, like take plates and bust them up or take a baseball bat and break a computer or a television set or whatever, and it feels good. And so if you ask angry people how do they feel after they're angry, that almost the universal response is, I feel better. But people feel better after taking street drugs and they feel better after eating chocolate. And that doesn't mean taking street drugs or eating chocolates healthy, right? So the the Mm -hmm. fact that you feel good is not the acid test of whether something is effective. Um, And the problem is when people become angry, they don't try something else and they would feel better if they did Like counting to 10 or taking deep breaths, they would feel better. So this week, we've been talking about what not to do when you're angry. Next week, we're going to move into what you can do. Uh, Angry people tend to ruminate about what made them angry. They can't get it off their minds. They rehearse it over and over again, and that just makes them more angry. So think about something else. Uh, Distract yourself, such as by doing a crossword puzzle or reading a nonviolent book or something like that. Just get your mind off it. And that'll be next week on All the Rage. Until then, keep it cool. 
All the Rage is produced by Kate Farley out of Phoenix Studios. Our podcast art was created by Kimberly Vlees, and our music was created by V6 Beats. Special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Brad Bushman. Finally, thanks to Haley Falcon, our intern, who not only has a super cool name, she does the stuff that keeps this show running. <laughs>